Fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It is a Monday, kicking off a brand new week, setting the tone for the whole week ahead, my friends. And it's a good one. Let's carpe diem all over this place, baby. What's up? Welcome in. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. It was busy. Hopefully you got an opportunity to catch our syndicated program on Saturday or whenever it may air in your local area with more radio stations coming on board here soon, too. So welcome into a broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch, listen to the show. Always appreciate it. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. Holy cow, do we have a show lined up today for a Monday. As usual, trying to cram so much into this hour of content, I don't know how to do it. We have the Hollywood strike that's going on, we'll get into in just a little bit, that I think is hilarious. And Although it is a little bit concerning, maybe a little bit. But I don't really care about Hollywood, so I guess there is that. We have some big news out of Washington, D.C. that we'll play some clips of with our very own Vice President, Kamala Harris, because she has the very deep insight on what AI actually is. (laughs) So we'll do that in a bit as well. But I don't want to waste any time because we have limited time with our guest that we are kicking off the show with on a Monday right out of the gate, my friends. What's trending today? And I am so happy to have him back on the program. It's been a little bit since we've done it. Actually, the last time I interviewed him was when we were filling in for the Todd Starnes radio program that broadcasts uh, during the week on, what, he's like 150 radio stations, primetime, I don't know. He's dominating, killing it, and we had the opportunity to fill in for him and had this next guest on that program, so we had to, of course, get him back on this program. He's my congressman from right here in the 4th Congressional District in the great state of Kansas. Congressman Ron Estes hanging out on the line from Washington, D.C. Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is so good to talk to you again, and we always love and appreciate everything that you're doing up there. Holy cow, you guys have not stopped at all after the debt ceiling bills that we had just a month or so ago. You're still working on appropriation stuff. We'll get into all that in a second, but right now it seems like the flavor of the day in Washington has, of course, been investigations on the Bidens, which I have to ask, I, I know that we're opening up investigations, but any other word on what we've heard about the uh, cocaine incident at the White House right now? Oh, that's that's the one that they're really secret about. and uh, <laughs> I, I, can't under, I can't understand how they found an eight ball worth of cocaine with prop of H. Biden on it, and they don't know where it uh, where it belongs. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and it, it's, it's kind of sad that the um, uh, the Secret Service isn't being as forthright with that. I mean, you know they have access to the information. They have cameras. I mean, I've been to that entrance myself. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, in terms of accessing cubby holes to put property into, uh, such as your cell phone or, or a purse or something that you're not allowed to bring in, uh, they, they've got to know information that they aren't bringing forthright with. And that's, and that's a sad part that, this, this administration just so they're so political. They're so uh, in there. They're looking for cover-ups. Uh, and I am going to talk a lot 
today about the whistleblowers. I don't know if you want to dive into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah that's, uh, it's, it's a perfect introduction to it because you're right. I mean, right now we have a lack of investigation on the cocaine incident, which is sad and ridiculous, but scary at the same time because of the fact that we're not being transparent and open with investigations on a family that could potentially be extremely corrupt, not just with illicit drugs and illegal drugs in the White House, but as well as their finances. For years we've been concerned, and now we have audio, we have video, we have emails, we have absolute proof from what it sounds like on some of the shenanigans and financial dealings that that the family's been doing with overseas dealings. And the FBI just wants to shut doors on this stuff until some of these IRS whistleblowers are coming out. Talk about the latest that you guys have heard. Yeah, it really is. And and we, the, the Ways and Means Committee on the House side and, the, and the, finance, the Senate Finance Committee are the two places that can actually dive into some, dive into some of the details uh, dealing with the IRS uh, because it's confidential information. We want to make sure it stays that way. Uh, but, it, you know, two... American citizens who happen to work for the IRS uh, came forth as as whistleblowers, and we're saying that this investigation is not being done properly. It's not being followed through the normal chains. It's not uh, the both certain people from the FBI and certain people from the the Department of Justice uh, at even at the U.S. District Attorney level are not doing their job, and they slow walk this this uh, investigation. And and that they 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 actually there's so many allegations in there it's hard to talk about in just a half hour they they told they found a, a storage container and somebody in the FBI or the Department of Justice leaked that to Hunter Biden's attorneys so that they could go clean it out before a, a search warrant was executed the, the U.S. attorney uh, would not uh, allow. Search warrants. It would not allow uh, investigation. It would not allow meeting with uh, uh, the people that they wanted to talk to, people of interest, as well as Hunter Biden. Uh, the they wouldn't change the venue to take it out of the state of Delaware, and and so we have we have Merrick Garland who said that the U.S. Attorney had Weiss had all the, the authority to do what he needed to. We have the whistleblowers saying Weiss is saying Merrick Garland didn't allow him the authority to do that. We have now, as we've we've seen out and seen this information that's come out, is that there was over $8.3 million in payments. We don't know of dubious nature of these payments were because so many of them were from communist China. They were from the former Ukraine government. Uh, They were from Burisma. They were from Romania. And uh, Hunter Biden didn't pay taxes on it. And as a result of the the decisions made by certain people at the FBI and, and U.S. Uh, Attorney's Office, uh, he's not going to be prosecuted for it because they waited to get past the statute of limitations. And then then they brought this plea bargain forward with that that the, the week we were having the whistleblower information made public. Uh, they came out with this plea bargain agreement that's really just a slap on the wrist yeah. uh, that uh, actually forgives the the years of the bad tax information and and so one we're on ways and means we're going to focus on uh, why why did they not follow right procedures in terms of making sure the audits happen why have they retaliated against these whistleblowers because that's the next step of what they've done that 
the IRS commissioner said it wouldn't do was any retaliation on whistleblowers, and they've taken all of the members off of that team. And and so as part of that also, it, it provided a whole host of new questions that the Justice or the Judiciary Committee and, and Oversight Committee are going to have to go chase down with uh, misbehavior on, on part of certain individuals in the FBI and, and U.S. Attorney's Office. And I I'm very careful in terms of saying certain individuals because there's a lot of good FBI agents. Uh, yeah. There's a, a lot of folks that want to do the right thing. I mean, we we had we even had some FBI agents come to our office as whistleblowers on some of the things that have been going on in the administration. So I want to make sure that uh, you know the, the good men and women are doing a hard job in support of our country aren't tarred uh, by the, the bad actions of a few. Yeah, amen to that. There's a lot to unpack there, so uh, there's there's a really lot to talk about. But, Congressman, wouldn't it seem with the charges that did come up against Hunter Biden on so little, saying that they'd even drop some of the punishments as long as he just pays the taxes that he's owed on the millions of dollars that he didn't file? Uh, at the same time, though, I, Congressman, I know multiple stories of people going to jail for not paying on millions of dollars worth of taxes that the IRS wants, along with, at the same time, having a simple possession of an illegal firearm while in possession of drugs at the same time, those two together, you're looking at years in prison for a normal American. Why in the world are the Bidens getting such special treatment and the law and some of these, like you said, these, these corrupt ones or being bullied in some way, shape or form getting, giving the Biden family such a special treatment on these cases. Yeah, it really is a special treatment. I mean, we, as you mentioned that there were two years worth of, of uh, uh, tax returns that they did the plea agreement on to to do misdemeanor charges and pay a fine uh, for. Actually, it was a six-year period uh, of income coming in that wasn't reported as taxes, and you overlay that on the on the gun charge, which isn't necessarily the the process that we're following through. So, obviously, this is a big sweetheart deal that the, the uh, was given to you know the president's son out of special treatment and. I I just hope the judge turns down rejects the plea bargain uh, because it's it's so out of norm of what should have done with a case like this that it should be rejected and and sent back and and a judge has a purview to do that uh, just because uh, the the uh, prosecutor and the defense attorney uh, agreed to this sweetheart deal doesn't mean that the judge has to agree to it. That is true. Do you think that as well there should be some additional investigation and or charges brought up on the fact that the FBI completely just turned away the the Hunter Biden laptop at the beginning, saying that it was disinformation, it wasn't real, when they knew it was, and then once this became a story, then they begrudgingly accepted that back? I mean, if they were turning away evidence that would further this investigation on some of the criminal activity going on, shouldn't there be some type of additional thing put on top of this as well? Yeah, there really is. I mean, I... I uh, that the, the way we break down the Judiciary Committee and in the House of Representatives as responsible for oversight on the FBI, but just just to break that down into a little bit more details, the FBI knew in 2019 that that was Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, they they confirmed it with his Apple ID that was connected to the to the laptop, and and so they went through all of this disinformation campaign during the 2020 election. Uh, the Biden political campaign actually got all these former intelligence officers to to actually say that it it, it exactly like disinformation when when the facts were it, it was a Biden laptop the FBI knew it 
they they didn't bring it forth. They did. They they weren't truthful and honest in bringing out the the facts around that. And and I I it, this really is irresponsible on the part of of people in a, in a role where they're supposed to. They're not supposed to be political. They're supposed to focus on on upholding the Constitution and the laws of the country. Yeah, amen to that. Last question on this. we got just about a minute before we have to take a hard break here. But with the IRS whistleblowers, like you said, that have been booted off the case and are actually getting some retribution even from the other side and with threats, does that involve some type of potential investigation on impeding an investigation with uh, willful uh, threaten or blackmailing or whatever from the other side because they want to keep this secret? I mean, this is all seems to be blowing up in front of their face right now, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, as the facts come out and and they're I mean, the media is out attacking the whistleblowers and, and trying to uh, one of them has come public. Uh, the other one wants to keep his, his identity uh, secret. And, and that's certainly a purview of a whistleblower uh, for uh, for their own personal reasons. But uh, absolutely, the uh, from the standpoint of the things that we look at on ways and means, we have responsibility over the IRS. And what we need to dive into is why does the Department of Justice and the, and the FBI not work with the IRS to make sure that investigations happen the way they should? Why do they hinder the IRS from getting and doing the job that they should be? And and why is the IRS procedure set up so that that allows it to happen? And then the second thing that we need to focus on is is the retaliation on the part of the yeah. IRS commissioner against the employees within the IRS who are trying to do the right thing, trying to be honest, trying to make sure that the facts come out. Hold on a second, Congressman. You're saying actually federal agencies working together to try and get to the bottom of an investigation? What a wild concept. Let's take a break here. It's Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th District of Kansas. Lots more coming up here on the program. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Hanging out for a Monday. Trying to set that tone of excitement. Exhilarating, man. Those endorphins are running high for a Monday to kick off a brand new week. We're hanging out a few more minutes here with Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th District of Kansas. My district here in the great state of Kansas, as we've talked about some of the whistleblowers, investigations going on with the Biden family, the special treatment they're getting. Congressman, I want to shift gears, though, for the last few minutes before you have to run, and I know you got to run here soon. I appreciate your time, as always, really much. But you guys had a big vote at the end of last week as well with the NDAA, or the National Defense Authorization Act, that <laughs> that caused a little bit of a stir. I mean, usually it's a bipartisan thing. We bicker about it. Militaries, you know, we need more funding here. We need more funding for, you know, defense. What a wild concept. But this one, Democrats not liking it too much because we're actually trying to direct money in appropriate places. It, it really is. So the NDAA is uh, uh, one of the bills that typically gets passed every year. It's one of the the must-pass bills because it it sets the priorities for the defense and and it also includes some provisions uh, uh, like making sure that combat pay is addressed for our men and women in uniform and and that they're supported through that. So uh, what we've seen over the years is that a lot of things have gotten added to it. Uh, the Biden administration's absolutely made it worse. 
in terms of putting in all of these social programs and and uh, gender programs and every and, uh, diversity equity and and inclusion programs through that so what what we did was focus on how do we how do we get back to focus on on our war fighting capability that, that we want our military to have capability was. So we we were able to identify $40 billion worth of spending that was out there in different categories that was wasteful, was fraudulent, that we shouldn't have been used in the way it was being used, and able to repurpose that without without spending any more uh, in, in, the, in the Defense Department. But that $40 billion is going to help uh, provide some of the the capabilities that we need. And, and we're also focused on uh, a 5.2% pay increase for the men and women in uniform to help offset some of the, you know, the 15.5% inflation that uh, <laughs> uh, President Biden's inflicted on the country over the last two years. Uh, provided oversight for the Pentagon and the way they spend money. Uh, we we uh, had an amendment in there to actually stop the the military using their money to pay for abortion, uh, pay for travel for uh, servicemen and women to get to get an abortion, which is against the law, yeah. uh, should not be done. Um, it strengthens our support against the Chinese Communist Party and, and the focus there. It, it helps make sure that our men and women in uniform who were who refused to get the COVID vaccine for whatever reason, whether no reasons, whether it was military reasons, whether it was uh, medical, whether it was religious. Uh, that they can have a, a way back into the armed forces and and not be uh, uh, punished throughout their career and, and uh, aspects from there, and and actually helps uh, provide make sure that there's support within the Department of Defense to help secure the border in some areas where the Department of Defense can help. So there, it was a it was an important bill. The things that we focused on, and and yeah, there were a lot of amendments that the Democrats didn't like because we. We were focusing on how do we stop the Biden administration, some of their reckless policies. That is very good news. Now, in the last 30 seconds or so here, do you think it's going to get through the Senate with some of those, quote unquote, controversial amendments in that bill and get to the president's desk? I think there's always always some of those uh, that uh, have to work on. And, you know, the Senate's hard to hard to judge because they end up. But can't we all get a long process uh, within the Senate, uh, much more so than in the House? And and so I. Uh, I look forward to the Senate coming up with a bill and sending yeah. it back to us, and, and we sit down in conference committee, or or else at least come up with an agreement that works that it includes what's important for the members of us out of the House, uh, as well as some of those things that senators want as well. It's going to be an interesting process to see. I know that Democrats are all fired up, especially going into election year. They want to make their stand on some wicked, wild, radical issues. It's Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th District of Kansas. Congressman, you've always been a great friend personally and on the show here. We appreciate it very much. Keep up that fight. Let's get you back on the show again real soon, my friend. All right. Thank you, Andy. Hey, always a pleasure. All right, we'll take a break here. Lots more coming up for a Monday on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for a Monday. Setting that tone, baby. Trying to carpe diem all over this place is what we do on the show. We're just messy like that. Thanks again to Congressman Ron Estes coming on the program. Fourth District of Kansas. Always great to have him on. I have known him. So for those maybe new listeners across the nation, he's uh, been a stand-up rock-solid conservative uh, on a lot of the different issues for many years. When I first got into radio 
12 years ago, I want to say? 12 years? I say that with a question mark. <laughs> I don't know. They all blur together after a while. Uh, I was starting off my radio career in western Kansas, actually KIUL Radio in Garden City, Kansas, where they actually air this program as well. So we're still on there, still making an impact, carving out the western portion of Kansas through our crazy ideas here on the program. But I was starting off my radio show, and he had come on because he was running for state treasurer here in Kansas. And him and I hit it off. We became really good friends. I had him on the program numerous times as the state treasurer. And then when he ran for Congress, by that time I was here in the Wichita area and him and I have been great friends ever since. And his team is absolutely fantastic uh, with everybody that works with him. He's been a firebrand up in Washington, D.C. as well. And we appreciate everything that he does. And I, I tell you, when there's things going on up there and we reach out within days, they'll come on the program and talk about whatever. So we appreciate him very much and keep up that fight, especially with this, the 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 elitism, the corruption, the special treatment from the Biden family, not just Biden, but just Kamala Harris as well. I know that she's, quote unquote, next in line when he accidentally trips down the stairs while he was stopping to tie his shoe, which we know is going to probably happen at some point relatively soon. But is she really any better? Let's be honest. Look, should we do this? We should do this now. Let's go go ahead and do this now. And yes, I'm going to play it because it's part of the Biden basement being part of the Biden family now that's trying to run things in her, waiting for that prime opportune moment for him to stop and tie his shoes at the top of the stairs where he automatically just somehow falls down the stairs. Let's go into the Biden basement. There it is, Kamala Harris uh, handling the artificial intelligence issue just as efficiently as she's handled being the czar of the southern border. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is is it's about machine learning. (laughs) Hey, it's very complicated. It's AI. It means two words, artificial intelligence. Did you know that? I don't know that I knew that fact. I don't know that I knew that aspect. Yeah, and it's about learning technology and things. And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. Uh, does she even know what she's talking about? The vice president of the United States, the czar on the immigration crisis at the southern border, and the czar now apparently on artificial intelligence. Very complicated. It's got two words in AI, artificial intelligence. This, my friends, is not not how this works unless they're intentionally trying to form your opinions on what artificial intelligence is uh, i will play that again in just a second because let's teach you first off what artificial intelligence really is and we've had uh it experts on the program talking about what artificial intelligence really is it is not smart it cannot learn it does not have an opinion The only thing it does is collect data. When you download an artificial intelligent app, some type of AI helper, friend, buddy, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you have on your smartphone, and you ask it a question, it plagiarizes. It pulls information from the interweb in a way that's supposedly coherent, and it punches it out to you. It does not come up with anything original. It can store information uh, by the designers to make a certain algorithm mathematically for it to come out with a particular 
output when you do some type of input, but it is not smart. It is not conscious. It does not come up with its own original thought. It does not come up with an opinion. It literally regurgitates information that is input into the system. Now, take that, the real what artificial intelligence is, and let's say again what Kamala Harris thinks artificial intelligence actually is. Ultimately, what it is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. No, it's not. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine mm-hmm. that will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what, machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. <laughs> it cannot make a decision. It cannot make an opinion. And yes, we can totally predict what the outcome is going to be. Why? Because we designed the algorithm. And therefore, we already know mathematically that when you have some type of input, you know what the output's going to be. Anybody do algebra in math? In math class when you were like in middle school, maybe early high school, and you did algebra, and you did y equals x, and when you have the math and solve for x on what that problem looked like, you already know what the input is going to look like. Therefore, you already know what the output is going to look like. It cannot come up with its own opinions. It is plagiarizing, which leads into... The big story going on nationally right now. What's trending today? When you're technically plagiarizing, you're not coming up with anything original, but you're stealing other people's content. There's been a movement, especially out in California and Silicon Valley, when it comes to social media for uh, journalists that are trying to fight the uh, social media saying that they need to be paid whenever their articles are shared on social media because they're concerned about, quote unquote, being plagiarized, not having their information uh, actually valued at the way it needs to be valued and therefore being compensated properly when a thousand people are reading it on social media and they're not getting a sense of that because, well, we don't do that. So the same's going on right now in Hollywood, because if you haven't heard the news, Hollywood And the Writers Guild is striking again majorly, essentially shutting down all of Hollywood. Now, I don't care because I really don't care about Hollywood. I mean, I think it's hilarious. But the writers actually have a legitimate concern here. According to some, uh, what is this? According to the Associated Press, the reason that they're protesting, part of it's for better pay and better contracts. Okay, that's always it. They're probably inflating their value of what they actually bring to the table when it comes to uh, the, the quality of Hollywood and California and L.A. But nonetheless, outside of that, they're also seeking protections against artificial intelligence. Because with how artificial intelligence is being used now, by saying, hey, uh, I could ask it right now, write me a script for uh, a poem or for a mini play. And it would just pull things from online and just and it's all right there. Therefore, making writers Null and void. Now, it's not any new content, again, because it's being pulled and plagiarized from numerous different articles and pieces and stories from before and bringing it all into one singular place, but it's new content, quote-unquote. And therefore, the corporations, the corporatists who are funding a lot of the movies in Hollywood are like, hey, this could save us a heck of a lot of money if we don't have to use writers, and therefore the writers are striking. According to the Associated Press, they are uh, the gravel... um, Well, there's a battle. We'll play the audio in a clip here in just a second from uh, some of the actors that are upset about this. But uh, they're fighting against those as protections of artificial intelligence. And I can see that argument. I can see why they'd want to protect themselves from that artificial intelligence movement. That being said, 
let's be honest for a second. The implosion of Hollywood was nothing that was not predicted, not foreseen, and it's honestly kind of hilarious. Outside of the plagiarization, which I do not support in plagiarizing anybody's content like that, uh, because, you know, obviously it's a human brain thinking about human concepts and therefore coming up with art. That's what art is all about. In movies, whether you like the art or not, is some form of art. At the same time, it needs a reset. And Hollywood has begun to be too large and too big, and the elites have been able to run rampant in Hollywood, and the reset is happening. The great reset is beginning, and I'm here to tell you, it's actually a good thing. What's happening right now is a good thing to watch on both sides of the aisle, both from the writers that are concerned about artificial intelligence plagiarizing them and essentially making them null and void, in which case we'll never have an original thought in Hollywood again because it's just AI punching out a bunch of crap from earlier that was written. But at the same time, they're also inflating themselves a little bit more than what they need to be. No longer are movie investors laying down a billion dollars for a film. In fact, they're not getting the return on investment. And a lot of Hollywood actors are a little upset about that. Who's this guy? He's the actor of the movie Hellboy, which I never watched. One of those Hollywood, one of those superhero movies I just never really cared about. Uh, Ron Perlman, the actor that was in Hellboy, the main character, uh, was saying this. First, he made an Instagram that made some pretty... Uh, I could only play a part of it because of all the swearing in this. But then he made a second video trying to explain what he was saying in the first one. And I think the first... Oh, that's the wrong one. Let's try that one. I mean, uh, she's an actor as well, but let's try this one. I mean, this strike is just sort of a... I mean, it's, 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 it's a symptom of a struggle that's way bigger than the strike itself. It's a symptom of the soullessness of corporate America. And how everything has become corporatized in this country. Corporations only care about one thing, and that's quarterly profits. And that's their shareholders and their stockholders. When you co-opt something that deals in beauty and the human experience, like film and television does, like any of the fine arts do, but it's being run by people who only care about one thing, and that is money. It makes for some very strange bedfellows. And so we all must try to get along. And we all must try to understand you have your value in giving us the resources we need to make content. And we have our value as storytellers because of the effect that we have when we tell our stories beautifully and properly on the people that come to see them. You know what I hear there? Give us the blank open check because we're creating art that helps humanity. Therefore, don't worry about your return on investment making money, the whole reason why people invest in products. Just give us the blank check for us to create the art, and if not, we'll protest. This is the demise of Hollywood right before our eyes. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. And it's going to be interesting to see where this Hollywood strike goes and whether they can negotiate more protections, better wages for the writers, so on and so forth. But I'm telling you, there are two reasons why we're going to see the implosion of Hollywood in my prediction. Number one is that you've created it yourself, Hollywood. You've inflated yourselves more than what your value actually is. And you've 
diversified yourself way too much. And what do I mean by that is not like identity politics issues. I mean, you've saturated the market more than what you're worth now. And I refer to it kind of like the radio industry, which the radio industry back in the day, if you remember, I wasn't around at that time. But back in the day when you had like one or two radio stations in an entire market, in an entire city or town, that was it. There's no syndication and it was or there was very little syndication and you had like one or two radio stations that covered like everything from news and sports and and music and you just did all of it because that's it. You just had one or two stations. So you tried to cover as much as you possibly could. And the hosts then the DJs or the talk show hosts or whatever, they were like the celebrities. They were in elite status because they were very few and everybody knew their name. Everybody listened to them. Now, how many radio stations are in your town? All of them from Country radio stations, rock and roll radio stations, pop radio stations, Spanish radio stations, three different news talk radio stations, four different sports talk radio stations. The market's so saturated that now the quote-unquote value of the host has gone down because now you're not appealing or attracting as many listeners because they're so dispersed among so many different opportunities. The media industry has done the exact same thing by creating a Hulu streaming service, a Disney streaming service, a Paramount Plus streaming service, a CBS streaming service, a Fox streaming service. So this tra- Everybody's so dispersed and marginalized, you're not getting the entire audience, the entire crowd that's craving entertainment, that's craving a new movie, all going to one source to watch this one new movie because now Apple Plus has their own stuff. Everybody's got their own thing, which means, guess what? Now your value has sunk, and now... While you're advocating for better wages, you're not going to get them because you're writing for a show that's going to get a tenth of what you used to be able to back in the day. At the same time, the box office numbers are not anywhere near what they used to be either, uh, where actually this uh, 2021, 2022 was kind of the, hey, we're welcome back after COVID-19. Let's all go to the movies. So we saw a bit of a jump there. 2021 was at the same level in total revenue for the box office. At the same equivalent for the last time we had seen it at that level at 1991 at $4.4 billion in total revenue in the Hollywood industry, movie making industry. This year, we're sitting at like $5 million right now, about halfway through the year. So it's going to be up a little bit more, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. At the peak, at the hiatus, when social media, when Hollywood was running rampant, they could just spend money on everything because they had money galore to do anything they wanted to do. They were sitting right around $11.3 billion at the peak in 2016. According to boxofficemojo.com, it shows year by year on exactly how much money was brought in in the Hollywood movie industry in total. The peak was at $11.3 million. We're sitting at four and a half, almost five right now. It's been cut in nearly half of that. And the writers and the actors, for whatever reason, are angry because they're not getting paid as much because they're not bringing in as many viewers. And the investors that are actually funding the films to be made are not spending as much money because they know there's not as much of a return on that investment. So it's going down, which honestly I'm okay with because I'm tired of CGI crap anyways. I want real acting again. I actually want actors to have to act again. I want to see real life things, not CGI where they're playing in front of a green screen the entire movie. I'm sick of that crap. I want it back to the original. They're hurting themselves. At the same time, you have a major impact on that because you're not going to see the Hollywood movies like you used to do as well. Maybe because you're seeing streaming movies, but at the same time, I think that we're sick and tired of the agenda that's being punched out of Hollywood, out of Disney, 
Wouldn't you agree? Prime example is The Sound of Freedom that's in theaters right now. It had, what, like an $8 million budget total? And it's expected to hit over $100 million. It did zero advertising, and it blew up in like a half of the movie theaters that Indiana Jones 5 is in right now. And it's blowing it out of the water. Because of you, because you're craving certain content that Hollywood is not providing because they're trying to cram down this wokeness, this LGBTQ-ness, this new progressive agenda in your movies. They're changing everything up, and you're not having it. And you're not buying it, which tells us two things. Number one, they're completely out of touch with the consumer. Number two, you as the consumer still have the power to decide what the private sector is going to need and demand. And they have to find a way to fill that. And new outlets, new movie production companies, new actors are filling that void. They just have to remember that going woke is going broke. We saw it with Bud Light and Kohl's and Target and Disney and everything else under the sun. But apparently they haven't learned their lesson yet. But they will. So guess what? Pat yourself on the back because you're making that change at that local level. This is The Voice Reason. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow.